BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, fam. Today's episode is a solo. It's just me. I have no script or talking points in front of me, so I'm really just going to fucking run wild with this one. These are the ones that honestly you guys tend to love the most and the ones that I leave wondering what did I even just say and how has 30 plus minutes just passed of me talking to myself. But it's like I always say, my teacher said if I sat her next to a wall, she would talk to it. And here I am doing just that as part of my job. Today's episode, I want to dive into the evolution of my relationship with food because it's one that I have definitely shared about in the past and have continued to share as time has gone on. But I think right now I am in the most carefree, let go, do whatever the fuck happens, don't think about it, state of mind I've ever been in terms of food. And it is so freeing and so wonderful. And when I touch on it, I get a lot of questions of how did you get there? What has this process looked like for you? I dream of being able to not think about food all the time and I just don't know what steps to take. So I'm hoping this episode will give you some insight into my journey, but then most importantly, give you some tools to help you as you navigate this yourself. I want to put a trigger warning on this just for anyone who deals with disordered eating. I'm going to talk about some of my more orthorexic style days. So trigger warning for that. And also like I will say if you are someone struggling and like seriously struggling, getting help is the best thing that you could do and help will look different for everyone. Some will look like therapy to deal with certain things that you're struggling with that just parlay into food. Some will look like inpatient or outpatient treatment. Some will look like speaking to loved ones and being open and honest. It's going to vary for everyone, but help is really freaking helpful. And there's a reason people do it. And putting in the work is so worth it. And this is something I said the other day. I was making dinner and I just pulled out my phone and recorded a TikTok and I was so grateful of all of the work I've done over the past four years that got me to where I am today to feel completely free around food and for it not to take up the brain space that it used to consume daily, hourly in my brain and to now allow me to do things with that time that light me up and that fulfill me and that are, in my opinion, way more important. So let's start from the beginning. And if you've been around for a long time, you've honestly probably heard this part of the story and you've definitely watched portions of the story unfold. So just buckle up, bear with me, enjoy the ride, okay? For those of you who are new here, welcome. I love you. Thank you for joining. Now, let me lay my life out for you. 
So when I think back on my relationship with food, it's been a wild ride. There have been many moments of not caring at all. There have been many moments of obsessing and there have been many ups and downs. Growing up, I loved food, loved food. Like I just always really enjoyed food and it was always something that made me excited. It was always something I wanted to enjoy with people. It was just this thing this that lit me up, especially dessert. Love dessert. And I grew up in a house where like we loved food, but we weren't the house that was cooking these beautiful family dinners every night and all of that kind of stuff. We were eating spaghetti and meatballs out of Tupperware in the back of my parents' suburban as my mom drove us to soccer practice and dropped off Maddie at school and like Lucy was screaming in the back. That was our dinner vibe to be completely honest. My mom was like a pioneer of meal prep. She just didn't even know it. That was it. It was just food was food. And I say all of this to also acknowledge I completely hold thin privilege in the sense that I've just genetically been thin my entire life. And food was never something that I really thought about because I was never actively trying to fit into this unrealistic beauty standard that we had been sold because quite honestly, my body kind of fit into that. So it wasn't something that I was actively seeking. That being said, I have shared this multiple times, but my mom has recovered from a pretty bad eating disorder that she had in her early adult life. And I definitely think that she put in very strong efforts to not put that on us and push her narrative onto us. But you also have to understand that someone's struggling with that. It's really hard for a child, like it's really hard to create a space where a child doesn't pick up on some of that. The people recording in the podcast studio next to me are screaming. And I know you guys can't hear it, but it's so distracting for me. But he's actually famous, so God, I'm not gonna say anything, but they are loud. Anywho, I think that... That is important to know only because it's important to understand that growing up, food wasn't necessarily demonized and I didn't really care about it. But I think as I got older, reflecting on things that I've heard or seen played a role in part of my understanding around food and not just from my mom, but from what we were seeing on TV. You know, being a 90s baby, early 90s, 91 we were in like the pinnacle of diet culture media where like I was obsessed with gossip magazines, which is so funny because I don't care about celebrities now and reading all of the like eat this, not that or like Jennifer Aniston's weekly diet and what she eats every day as if any of that is even true. But that's what tabloids were obsessed with. And so that's what we were consuming as kids at that time. So go into college College, similarly, I, I just loved food, but I really was not thinking. There was no restriction. There was no concern. We were, I played lacrosse at a D1 level, so I was practicing or having games or lifts every fucking day for hours on end. And 
I honestly had to eat more than I could have ever imagined just to keep up. And like, there was also so much of I have to eat this so that I can go play in this long game. And I had to have two dinners because I was eating before practice and after practice. And it was so much more of the idea of like how to stay fueled for sports than, oh my gosh, I have to be restrictive to fit into a dress. Like I didn't at all feel aligned with that narrative that I know a lot of people did when they think about their relationship with food around college. That just was not my experience. Similarly, when we'd go out at night and be drunk and eating, like I was having slices of pizza every single night. I was the girl that was going to Wawa. Love Wawa. That's where we lived in college. But I was grabbing a pint of Ben and Jerry's and begging them to give me the free cinnamon rolls before they were throwing them out at the end of the night because I was like, why do they go in the trash can if I can just eat them? So in college, food was really just like food for me. And it's so interesting because I think that that portion of my story is very different from what many females experience, especially in today's world with like the social media age that we live in and everything that's being pushed down our throats. But that was my college experience. And then post-college was when things started to shift for me. And this portion of the story is imperative because this is when it all kind of started to change where I was dealing with digestive issues and I was dealing with bloat and constipation like I truly cannot imagine living with again. It was horrific. And I used to look... I have photos of myself. I used to look three months pregnant before even eating. Honestly, more than three months pregnant because now having been pregnant, I can compare what my body looked like in those photos to what I actually looked pregnant. And it was comparable to when I was at least four to five months pregnant. And the bloat was so bad that at points I couldn't breathe, especially at night. It was horrific and it was really consuming my life. So this was when I started to pay more attention to what I was eating. And I was going to these GI doctors and they were like, oh, you should try elimination diets and you have SIBO and you have IBS and all of these things. And I also was just spending so much money at restaurants and all of these things. And so I started cooking and there was good intention because the intention was I'm going to prep food so that I'm not spending like 15 plus dollars on lunch every day at the office and money on breakfast and all of these things. And I'm going to make sure that I know what ingredients I'm using so that hopefully my digestive system gets better and I'm not constantly constipated and bloated and I'll feel better. But the impact got lost because the impact was that I became wildly obsessed with every ingredient that went into my body and it fucked me up. And this is when I wholeheartedly believe that yes, ingredients are important and it's vital to pay attention to what you're eating and to take care of your health in that manner. But it's also vital to be in a state of mind where you are calm and capable of living and not anxious and obsessive. And that type of behavior creates a negative ground of reaction while you're eating that can sometimes be as harmful as eating ingredients that don't necessarily react well with your body. So it turns out that moving is a lot, a lot of unboxing, organizing, putting away, purging, and more unboxing, and it feels never-ending, and especially the first week or so. I felt completely out of my routine, and that is why I am so grateful for today's sponsor, Athletic Greens. 
While it may have felt and honestly looked like my entire life was in boxes, I at least knew where my AG1 was at all times because it was my tie to my me time and my routine. I gave AG1 a try originally because I felt I wasn't getting enough nutrients with my daily eating habits and I had heard an ad for it on a podcast just like this. I take AG1 first thing in the morning before anything else enters my body and it makes me feel like I'm putting my health first and beginning my morning routine. You better believe that when we were packing up our apartment, I made sure that I put some AG1 travel packs aside to keep in our bag that would be by our side the entire move. I wanted to make sure that I had them on hand for the first few mornings in the new house, and I am so grateful that I did because another thing that comes with moving is having limited or no fresh groceries on hand in the beginning and eating a whole lot of takeout. And with just one scoop of AG1 in the morning, I get the nutrients and gut health support that covers my nutritional bases for the rest of the day. So if you want to take ownership of your health, today is a good time to start. Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com FFF. That's athleticgreens.com slash FFF to check it out. You guys, I have to tell you about this new healthcare company I discovered. Modern Age is on a mission to slow down aging. Getting older is inevitable, and I am all about embracing age, but how we feel and look as we get older is actually well within our control. And no, I'm not talking about some magic pill or surgery. Modern Age is all about helping people get proactive with how they age. So they launched the Aging Wellness Assessment, which looks at over 55 markers of health from hormones to metabolism, to cognitive function, to uncover underlying issues your regular doctor might not notice. You can even find out if you're at risk for diseases like cancer, Alzheimer's, osteoporosis, and heart disease, so you can take action now to help prevent these things from showing up later. Their medical team uses the latest scientific research combined with evidence-based treatments to proactively address the most frustrating and often undiagnosed impacts of aging so you can reach your physical and mental peak and live healthier longer. This type of health assessment used to only be available to elite athletes and celebrities, but modern age is making it possible for people like you and me because everyone deserves to feel and look their best. Whether you're having issues with sleep, energy, mood, focus, wrinkles, or even low sex drives, the expert clinicians at modern age can help you uncover the root cause and find out exactly how to get you back to feeling like yourself. So how does it work? You start by coming into one of the beautiful modern age studios in Flatiron or the Upper East Side for a blood panel and bone scan. Then you'll complete a couple of online assessments to measure your cognitive function and subjective age. After that, your modern age clinician will sit down with you for a full hour to go over all of your results and give you personalized treatment recommendations. The best part is that you can get it all taken care of right there at modern age. They offer treatments like IV drip therapy, hormone replacement therapy, Botox, and more to help improve how you feel both inside and out. And listeners of this podcast can get 20% off their first treatment. Just use code Cameron20 when you check out at the Modern Age Studio. If you're even a little bit curious, you've got to book a free consultation at Modern Age. The clinicians are so helpful and they'll walk you through your options with no pressure and no commitment. It's time to take control of how we age. Head to modernage.com to book your free consultation. 
Today's episode is sponsored by a staple in my nightly routine, Canopy. I've been using Canopy humidifiers for a while now, but after trying some newer aroma oils, I am even more obsessed than I was before. This lavender dream scent is my latest favorite and our room smells better than ever. By now, you know that humidifiers are great for our skin, sleep, and overall wellness, but I hated how traditional models were difficult to maintain. They would get all moldy, they were difficult to upkeep, or they were just not aesthetically pleasing to the eye. Thankfully, the Canopy humidifier is here to help. With our move, I made it a priority to have a Canopy humidifier in all of the bedrooms. Yes, even the guest room, because I am stocking this guest room with all of the goods to give my friends all the possible incentives to come sleep over because I want to see them. Not only does the Canopy humidifier hydrate my skin with the no mist moisture, but it also emits the most wonderful scent to put me to sleep and it lasts all day long, especially in a new home. I am loving this to fill the space with our scent. Most importantly, it is the easiest and cleanest humidifier out there and it has dishwasher safe parts that make it so easy to clean. If you're interested in trying the Canopy humidifier in your own home, go to getcanopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy humidifier purchase today with Canopy's filter subscription. Even better, use code Cameron at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Your skin will thank you. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. I came to notice this firsthand because even when I was eating these ingredients that I didn't have reactions to or I wasn't intolerant to or whatever, my mind was so obsessed with what I was consuming that I was so anxious and so worked up at every meal that just my state of being was on fucking haywire. And I was a mess mentally. And no wonder I couldn't digest. The brain and the gut are so heavily intertwined and that goes both ways. So post-college, I started meal prepping. I started really trying to focus on what are the ingredients that I'm eating and what makes me feel better and whatever. And through these elimination diets, I realized that I can't really tolerate gluten. I can't tolerate soy and garlic and onion were two things I couldn't have. And I just kind of latched onto those things and became obsessive. And I don't necessarily anymore align with the terminology or adjectives of like control freak, perfectionist, type A. But in my early 20s, to a mother freaking T, I was those things. 
I was obsessive. I was so in need of control and my mind just wanted to grab everything and like strangle it. That's how I envision it. I was just like chokehold on life is what I was trying to do. And I was trying to control by controlling what I was eating. But in reality, the food had complete control over me because it was all I could think about. And I think it was pretty obvious. I actually reflect back on this now. And like there was a point where it wasn't like it was having these wild impacts on my body yet. It eventually did. But I I physically looked the same. So I don't think it was as recognizable to everyone. But it was so obvious to me when I reflect back on my behavior and like the things I used to do and the things I used to say and the way that I treated food. Like it was so sad now to think back on. I was looking through my old journals the other day and I found one that was like my New Year's resolutions. It was so specific on how I had to work out every single day and what types of workout I had to do every week and like only eat dessert two to three times a week. Like it's so sad, so sad. I want to hug that girl so tightly and be like, girl, it is going to be okay. These things do not matter. Live your fucking life. And I think it's so obvious, but it wasn't really until my body started shifting and that was really when I became obsessive with like exercise as well that then comments kind of started to be made but quite honestly most of the comments were oh my fucking god you look amazing how do you look like this like what are you doing teach me your ways all of that there were some people that were like hey girl are you good my mom being one of them but not many and I just remember in my early 20s feeling so lost and alone and afraid and like I had no control over anything and if I could just control this one thing and that one thing being what I was eating then it would be okay but by trying to do that the one thing I was trying to control took complete control over me and I lost myself it was all consuming. It was from the second I woke up, what am I going to eat for breakfast, lunch, and dinner that day? What are my snacks going to be? If I'm going into the office, I better have prepped all of my meals because God forbid I didn't have something prepped and I'd have to actually find something as if I lived in some food desert. I was in the middle of Midtown New York City where you could get literally anything you wanted. God forbid I couldn't find something that worked for me. And, you know, we'd be, my girlfriends would want to plan a girls' night out and we'd want to go to dinner. And I'd be so stressed the entire time leading up to the meal over what were we going to order? Are we going to order as a table? If we order for a table, is there something that I'm going to be able to eat? What if I can't eat what people order? What if I don't want to eat what people order? Am I going to be able to order my own thing? Is there even going to be something on the menu that I'm going to be able to consume? Like, it's food. It is literally food. You are going to be okay. You will find something. I also think that in this, I became so obsessed with eating the quote unquote healthiest thing that I was over consuming these items because I was so afraid and fearful of like, will I have access to these things later? And I don't think I necessarily noticed that aspect of all of this until very recently when that no longer exists. And I'm like, wow, this is so freeing. So talking about growth, what changed? 
quite honestly, my accident shifted everything for me. And I talk about this a lot in like this turning moment for me. And if you want to know more about that, you can listen to, I'll link some episodes in the show notes that talk about the accident. But that shifted everything for me because it was this huge wake up call. It was also like, life is so fucking short. I couldn't exercise. I didn't have time to care about all the food because my head was just pounding 24 seven with my concussion symptoms. I just was eating to simply be nourished. And that's what started the shift. Then working on opening up to people in my life about this, whether it be my friends, my family, my then boyfriend, now husband, and being really honest and being like, I spend too much time in my brain thinking about what I'm going to eat. And it was at this point that I also started working with a therapist, the same therapist I work with now four years later, and working on my idea of like perfectionism around food because I used to feel like every meal had to be perfect. It had to be this like extremely beautiful and nutritious and it had to be packed with vegetables and so much color. And it wasn't even like I was coming from a educated standpoint of like, okay, I realistically want some form of vegetable fiber, protein, carb. I wasn't coming at it from that. I was coming at it from like, it had to be the best thing I've ever had and also only with the best ingredients and not make me feel at all bloated. And it had to, it it was just this like perfect thing that I had to check off. And it used to cause so many fights between Joe and I. And I really think that a lot of this was because I was eating most of my meals at my desk where like dinner was this thing that I wanted to be this big moment. And I would get so worked up over the idea of dinner, but then I get so overwhelmed by the options and the fact that I had created all these boundaries and limitations and restrictions for myself that then the options were more limited and Joe and I would just bicker because he'd be like, what do you want to do for dinner? And I'm like, I don't know. And he's like, okay, well, let's do this. And I'm like, no, I can't have that. And he's like, okay, well, let's do this. No, I can't have that. Well, what about this? No, I can't have that. And he's like, well, what can you have, girl? Like, what is going on here? And we used to get in these fights and fights and fights. And that was when I really started to realize, like, this is not okay. I should not be this worked up over a meal. And one of the things I did, and this was like my first step into kind of exposure therapy, even though it wasn't formally exposure therapy, but it resonates in my opinion with that, where the first step was creating a list of like, these are places that I know we can do takeout and delivery from that I know I have like a quote unquote safe meal at. And that was more so that it was like gluten and soy free and it wasn't made with garlic and onion. This is still when I wasn't eating those things. And he knew it was like a shared note And so when he was like, what do you want to do for dinner? I would just be like, I need you to choose. Like, I need you to do this because I need to stop obsessing over this. And he could then pick a meal from this list and just order. And that was like stage one of the exposure therapy that has now gotten to like, he will decide where we're eating, what we're eating, whatever. And I'm just like, okay, sign me the fuck up. Where are we on? And God, is it different? It is life-changing. Also, a huge part of this is that like, 
I did come to terms with my GI issues. They were intertwined with my anxiety. As I dealt with my anxiety, my GI issues got better as I continued to work on my gut health with things like athletic greens and seed and navigating what I actually may not be able to tolerate and just being calmer in a general state of mind as I ate, my GI issues kind of disappeared, honestly. I'm still gluten-free, which like I a lot of people are surprised by because I don't make it my identity. I will sometimes eat gluten if I feel like I'm, I don't know, I can't explain it. Sometimes my brain is like, we're good, have it. And I do, and we are good. And sometimes I'm like, my, my brain is like, we are not good. And I'm like, well, I'm still gonna have it. And then my stomach's like, no bitch, we are not good. Soy still like violently does mess me up. So I avoid that. And that's honestly pretty easy to avoid. Garlic and onion, I'm fine with, but I despise raw onion. Like I just think it's foul. And if I, I if I do have too much garlic and onion, like when I made that nasty honey concoction for when we were sick, it gives me the worst heartburn, but I'm not alone in that and I can live through heartburn. It's really the like brain fog, fatigue, crippling migraine that I get sometimes from too much gluten and alongside bloat and constipation that I don't like living with. And that's why I'm for the most part gluten-free. So along with like this mini exposure therapy beginning with these meals is I started to really take into account of who am I following on social media? Because this was the era of like the wellness influencer was being born. There was some wild information being spread. Diet culture was so intense. And we were being told by influencers to like not eat bananas. It was mayhem out there. And everything was about eating the healthiest ingredient possible. And I fell so victim to all of this. And I also completely like took part in it. And this is something I have a lot of anxiety over. I don't know if anxiety is the right word. I feel a lot of guilt over some of the shit that like I put out there years ago when I was in like deep, dark stages of my orthorexic thinking and the way that I used to talk about food or the things I would eat or the obsessiveness over it all and like my days of like Whole30 and obsessively meal prepping and how negatively I potentially impacted people, that makes me like really feel icky inside and I wish I could issue like sit everyone down that was consuming my content that time and be like, I'm so sorry if I fucked up your brain. And I remember some girl actually just DM'd me who I used to work with being like, I remember I used to be so inspired by your ability and like self-control to stick to like whole 30 at work events and all this stuff. And now I'm inspired by your ability to really like declaw diet culture and like find freedom. And I responded, I'm so sorry of the shit that I used to like spew and try to tell you what to do or like talk about on these platforms as if it was like the right way to do things. It makes me feel so icky inside. And I really, I I don't want to put up this like massive blanket statement, but so many wellness influencers focused in food have either historic or are still dealing with a lot of their own food struggles. And it, it it can be this like crutch or mask as they navigate it to 
funnel it through social media. And I fell victim to that as a consumer and I partook in it as a creator. And I think it's so important for you to really take a step back and look at who you're following and ask yourself if their values and like way that they approach things align with yours. And if they don't, you can unfollow them or you can mute them if you feel like you're not ready to unfollow them. Like th- that's up to you. But it really plays such, such a role in how you think that I don't even really believe we're aware fully of the influence these people have on our everyday thinking. So that was an absolute huge one for me to like go through, unfollow, and let go of that belief. I also came to terms with the fact that there's so much more important shit to think about than food. So much more important stuff going on in my life. So many more things I want to focus on, so many more things I want to be doing, so many more things I want to be enjoying than obsessing over what I am eating. And when I became pregnant, food was like absolutely repulsive to me, but I was starving. And that was the true test of like, I just need to eat something to get me through this day. I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's the same fucking thing for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And if it's a bagel for every one of those, I do not care. But as long as it gets me through this day, it's a win. And that was with pregnancy and then postpartum even more so where I'm like, there's so much going on. I honestly don't have time to think about this. Food is meant to fuel me. And that is the only purpose it is serving in this household because it's the only purpose I have time for. And that was when I was really like, I don't care what I'm eating, Joe, or people in my life. I just need to be fed. So can you handle this? Can you handle that? Like, just feed me. I don't care what it is. Just feed me. And that completely opened my eyes because I was like, wow, this is very freeing. The rest of my life might feel like it's falling apart, but go me because I feel like I've reached freedom with food. And that has just continued as I've become this version of myself with motherhood and with everything else going on because at the forefront, I simply do not have the time to obsess over food anymore. But simultaneously, as I've given up that obsessiveness, I realize how fun and freeing that can be and how incredible it can be to like go on a vacation. This happened recently where we went on a vacation with a couple and we've gone on two with them this past year, one for a wedding, one just for fun. And my friend, the the wife that, of the other couple, Perry, she like loves to plan and organize and like not in an obsessive way. She just loves it. And like she loves traveling and all this stuff. And so she would ask me like, what do you want to do? And they're big food people too. And I'm like, guys, love you so much. I have full faith that you will plan an amazing trip. I'm just going to show up if that's okay with you. And they're like, awesome. Perry's like, this is my dream. I get to plan everything. I'm like, this is my dream. I get to just show up somewhere and be told what to do. And I think that's as a parent, you just spend so much time taking care of other people that like you just want to be taken care of where I showed up to both of these trips having zero idea where we were eating, what was on the menu, what groceries we had in the house, like all of these things. And some would say that's a shitty guest. And I, you're not wrong. Like I'm probably an annoying guest, but to some people I'm an ideal guest because I also don't have the opinions. Like, I'm not saying like, oh, I I don't care. And then being like, why didn't we do this? I'm literally like, I don't care. Oh my God, this is what we're doing. Awesome. Love that for us. And I was having this conversation with Perry on the second trip. And she was like, it's 
astonishing how different you are from seeing what you used to be obsessing over every step of, I would have had a fucking detailed itinerary from the second we woke up until the second we went to bed with every morsel of food that was going in my body, where we were eating, what I was gonna order, what we were doing in between, all of these things. And now it's just like, what are we doing today, guys? Did you plan something? We don't have plans? Awesome. And it's been very interesting because it has taken people in my life some time to like navigate, specifically my family, where like at the beach, historically, I'd be the one where my parents would be like, Cam, what should we do for dinner? Because they knew that I was the one with the opinions. I was the one that was like going to battle or feel opinionated over what we were eating or get worked up if we were having something that I couldn't have. And now I, I simply don't care. And there were there was a few periods of time or there was a period of time where my mom specifically would be like, okay, well, what should we do? What should we do? And I'm like, mom, I don't, I don't care. Wh- whatever you want, whatever is easiest. And she's like, well, no, what do you want? And I'm like, no, I, I, I promise you what I want is to not have to make a decision. What I want is to just be removed from the decision-making. And if she had turned to me and said, well, I want to be removed from the decision-making, so can you help me? Of course I would. But that wasn't really the case. I think she was just so used to me feeling the need to control. So she was trying to oblige by my previous behavior. And it's taken time. But eventually now everyone's caught up. And how freeing it is. So I don't know if that was helpful. I cannot believe I just talked for that long straight. I don't even know what I said. The other thing I meant to bring up is that this is something I actively was working on prior to having a child. Because I want to create a space where my kids feel like food is fuel and that's it. Like you're full. Okay, you're full. You don't have to eat anymore. You're hungry. Have some more. What do you want? It's not mealtime, but you're hungry. Okay, great. What do we want? Do we want a snack? Do you want lunch early? Like today I had rice, beans, and beef at 1030 in the morning. I don't give a fuck. I was hungry and that was in the fridge. So that's what I had. Historically, never would have happened. But in today's world, I'm hungry. Girl, I'm going to eat it. And it was delicious. So that's also a massive driving factor for this is the sense that I want to create this space that is safe for my children to explore their relationship with food, to figure out what they want, to really listen to their feelings around it all and emotions and their own hunger cues and to not feel like there's any form of label or good or bad or any sense of like devilship around any of it because it's really like such a blessing. We're eating to stay alive. That is what it is. And how great is that that we have access to it? So that's my life update on my relationship with food. I hope you enjoyed this rambling. As always, thank you so much for listening to the show. This is a favorite thing I get to do. And what a fun freaking job. It always helps to hear whether this episode resonated with you, if you felt connected, if certain things stood out, if you learned something. So send me a message. You can send it to my Instagram, Cameron Oaks Rogers, or you can send it to the podcast at FF and Friends Pod. Share it on your story, tag us, rate, review, all of the things. It helps the show grow. You guys mean the world to me and I love you so much. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode of Freckled Foodie and Friends. I have so much fun recording the show. It is my favorite part of my job and truly is what lights me up. 
Your feedback and response to every episode is what keeps me going. And if this episode resonated with you, please feel free to DM me over on Instagram or share on your stories. If you are looking for a way to support the show, please rate and or review on whatever platform you use to listen to your podcast. It means the world to me and it really helps the show grow. Please also make sure to hit subscribe so that you are up to date with new episodes coming at you every Wednesday morning. And of course, please be sure to follow me on Instagram and TikTok at at Cameron Oaks Rogers. I love you and I appreciate your support so much. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.